You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. I'm Randy. In the future, we're going to begin every episode with references to material that was cut out of the final episode. That's the true director's cut. And I'm Jesse. In the future, you'll be able to get only director's cuts mailed to you in DVD form through a service that I like to call Flitsnack. Rolls right off the tongue. Yeah. In the future, I'll remember that I need to make up some in the futures before the episode starts. In the future, no, I will just continue to spring this on you because this is the nature of in the future. That is how it's always been and how it always will be. Yeah, the future sucks. Never change. (laughs) 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 Welcome to the Grouch Podcast. Tonight, or today, not tonight, because this isn't a nights anymore. No. Today, we're talking about Doctor Who, the Doctor's Daughter, and the unicorn and the wasp. That's right. We are continuing to revisit series or season four of Doctor Who, the tenth Doctor and Donna period. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do. Let's do. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get started. Let's. Yeah. Why do I keep doing? Why do I keep starting <laughs> episodes like that? <laughs> I blame Pedro Pascal. Me too. That's just too great. Okay, so the the Doctor's Daughter. This is the sixth episode of the fourth series. So this would be the seventh that we covered because we also covered... Runaway Bride. Runaway Bride, yeah. The Doctor's Donna. Da, the Doctor's Daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we are so good. It was, you know, we're not out of practice on this at all. We just did a 20 solid 20-minute stream, and then this happened. Right. And we lost our viewer. Oh, dang. Set on the planet Mesaline, the episode features Georgia Moffat as Jenny, the clone daughter of the series protagonist. This is from Wikipedia, by the way, if you can't tell, because they're explaining who the doctor is. The alien time traveler, the 10th doctor, David Tennant. The plot of the episode involves two factions of clones descended from a group of human and alien half pioneers, each of whom are seeking to wipe out the other side with a lost artifact called the Source, while the Doctor also comes to accept Jenny as his real daughter. Not his daughter. I understand. I'm right into it. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> they explain the, like, you know, single... What do, what do they call it? I don't know. Single organism reproduction or whatever. Yeah. It yeah, seems more like a clone to me. I was going to say, we have that in the real world. And it is, it's cloning. And so it should be a boy because he's a boy. So it should be also a boy because that's cloning. I'll even give like Time Lord. I, and we discussed this while we were watching the episode, Melanie, now. But uh, I'll even give like Time Lord DNA is a little weird. So maybe it cloned and it's just like, well, I'm a Time Lord. I, I'm going to do whatever I want. All right. You're now uh, this blonde woman with down on I'm, I'm Lola Ward. 
maybe Doctor Who started off as a blonde woman, and that's why he's only the doctor because they don't need to know his name. He's a doctor. That's enough. <laughs> you're, you're right. <laughs> it's enough for Martha Jones. Yeah, it's enough for you. That's very so. worth mentioning. Is Martha still hanging on? Hey, Maddie D. You perfect. The perfect time. Yeah. You didn't miss anything. We just rambled and we just started. Although you did miss the in the future segment. We did it. We did it, Maddie D. Martha's still straggling on, straggling behind, hanging on. Literally hanging on. They don't know how to fly a TARDIS ever. No. Yeah, Martha, Martha's still in this one. And that's something we were talking about. Utterly forgettable because I totally forgot she was in this at all. Like in hindsight, you know, it's just like, oh, oh, she's in this. Oh, yeah. 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 I know she is. She's a horrible person. <laughs> she is. <laughs> I'm going to help do... you. Go ahead. Fish man. Yeah. And then I'm going to force you to go outside to your death. You were death, obviously deathly afraid of going outside. I'm going to force you to, I'm going to call you chicken, basically double dog dare you. And then you're going to drown because of me. Yeah, because I'm like, save me, save me. And then I'm not going to save you in return because I'm a horrible person. I don't like her. He was such a nice guy. He didn't deserve that. He was a little fishy. Uh, Well, that is true. He couldn't help that. He was born that way. Or he was cloned that way. Yeah, of course. We got to mention the doctor's daughter, played by a legit doctor's daughter, Georgia. Is it Georgia? Moffat? No relation to... Stephen is the daughter of Peter Davidson. Peter Davidson. Thank you. Fifth doctor. Speaking of Moffat, though, apparently having Jenny come back to life, this is according to Wikipedia, uh, at the end of the episode was Stephen Moffat's idea. And it is (laughs) such a Moffat thing to do. And then do nothing with. That's such a Moffat thing to do. Right. (laughs) That actually bugs me that they've never returned to it. You know who did? Big Finish. Big Finish did. Of course. Because yeah. that's what that's what they're there for. That's what they hey, do. Did Moffat have anything to do with does he do anything with Big Finish? Because I feel like I feel like if I was a showrunner, I'd concrete myself like some future writing gigs by leaving things open in in the show. Actually, actually the one that's the most like active and has actually written things that Big Finish has turned into stuff is RTD. Oh. He can't help himself. He can't. He's all over this thing. Yeah. I think they're in communication with Moffat once in a while, though. Like, especially for, like, the River Song stuff. Right. Well, Moffat doesn't have, like, a writing credit on this or anything, but he was obviously, like, the next two episodes we'll talk about later he wrote. So he was obviously around and was involved. But I think there's some really good ideas in this episode, The Doctor's Daughter. But I'm not wild about it. It's kind of one of my least favorites of the season. I'm not sure what it is. You you don't think it's maybe um, like the fact that they just throw the conceit of the whole episode in the very first five seconds they get off of the TARDIS? <laughs> it is very like rushed. It's just like throw a bunch of ideas in there, but the actual like execution of the stuff that's happening. And I appreciate a classic Doctor Who style running through corridors episode. But, like, it's just kind of a lot of not much going on. And the scenery barely changes. Like, the numbers change above the door right. frames. That's about it. It's a weird, like, escape roomy type of 
like thing, like, hey, let's, uh, you know, this is this is the obstacle. And besides that, I wouldn't I wouldn't be like, oh, it's, you know, the numbers are a date and every day they build a new floor. But why? Why? Why would you think that it takes usually a lot longer than that to build a floor? First of all. Right. But, you know, but not a human. Five seconds. The seven days thing. Again, lots of interesting ideas. The twist that like these generations of soldiers, countless generations of soldiers, they're just clone each other and then, or not even, they're not really clones of each other, but whatever. And then keep fighting. This has all been taking place over the span of just seven days, which is like a wild concept. And it's kind of interesting, except for like the older guy who's like, I've been this my whole life. I've been working for years doing the Like, why is he old? Did he come out old? They just like there's one like one generation needs an old guy to lead them. Maybe they age super fast too. They'd have well, to. They're like the moon loans, you know, they're like they're good for six months and then you toss them out, start a new one. Yeah. Also, if you're gonna have the doctor's daughter like regenerate, why did she did well, she didn't change? Right. Like she came back, but she was still her. her. Maybe she was like, mm, I'm pretty cute. I think I'll stay this way. Maybe it's because she wasn't very old, you know, like how the doctor, like in his initial regeneration, it's like, it hasn't really taken yet. So he can like regenerate while he's regenerating. Hence the hand. Yeah, maybe. Maddie D says, hey, don't knock the Dewey Decimal System. It's the lifeblood of every library. Hey, and Donna mastered it in three days flat. Yeah, I'm going to say it's a little dark in here. Who turned out the lights? (laughs) Oh, yeah, the library. Yeah. Yeah. The Vashta Narada. I don't know what else is there to say about this episode. And they, it's gross that uh, they're like, "This is my daughter," and then later I'm going to marry her. Ew. He. Her name is Martha Jones, and she is not collateral damage. No one can dress you down like Donna. Right. Right. Yeah. Too bad she didn't know that fish guy because I bet everybody would have known about him. Martha didn't even mention him after he died. Like she just I was... ignored everything happened. She did. She didn't tell nobody. That's a secret. She's taken to her grave. <laughs> That's why she's so like uh, ready to kill people at the end of the season. It's that fish guy. It is kind of amazing. Like these last two episodes, they brought her back for. She's plot, but like they did nothing with her for character. Really, it's mm-hmm. it's weird. And how are they magically like? Oh, look at these files I can pull up that nobody else can seem to find ever. Maybe when they make their clones, they should put in some, like, you know, basic knowledge other than fighting so that they could, you know, look at blueprints or something. Work at a computer. I don't know. And they really nail in the, like, of course, I know where they're going with it, but they're, like, really hammering home the the doctor doesn't like soldiers thing. Right. Which is interesting because, you know, they, they'll come back to that. Moffat comes back to that quite a bit, too. That's kind of an arc that they never get past with the right. doctor. Never mind the brigadier. Never never mind all that time at unit. Or, you know, we'll, we'll reference that, but never mind. Right. The doctor is a little unreasonable, I feel like, at the beginning with, with Jenny. Like, he's kind of a jerk. And I guess they kind of like tie into, like he's had kids. So they tie it to that. But I don't know. He's kind of a jerk. How come they never like touch on that? Like he's had he had a family. They obviously are all dead if he's the only one left. I mean, you'd think he'd be more distraught about that or bring it up more often. You know what I mean? He never ever does. 
Afini brought it up this time, but that's because that's kind of like deep lore and it feels like they don't know how to deal with some of the like, or they're nervous to tread on some of the really old Doctor Who lore. Mm-hmm. And I suppose maybe it'd be difficult because even if the Time Lords are dead, they were Time Lords, so there should have been some all over the place anyway. They'd have been like, oh, we're all dead? That sucks, but I'm here right now, so let's go party. You know what I mean? Because you know, I mean, if, if they're not careful, though, you, this is how you get timeless children. <laughs> right, right. If we know too much about the Doctor, then it's like, nah. Why bother? That's true. Well, I, they could do way cooler things with all of it, and they never do. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. He left. He left Susan. Listen, Susan was left on Earth in the like sixties. So Susan is still alive. Clock's ticking. What the heck? Right. Uh-huh. Right. I know they've done lots with her in audio form, but yeah, she's in the Time War. Right. Yeah, she must be right because that's where all of them are. Oh. You know what? Yeah, even if they did go with some big finished canon, at this point, the Doctor would have reason to believe she's also dead. That's fair. Wait, it was the that was the future. Yeah, oh yeah, as in twenty one thirty five. Not because she's yeah, she stayed with um, that one guy in the future that the Daleks had kind of taken oh. over. Yeah. Okay. For some reason, I thought that was like the sixties. I mean, obviously, because it was, right, because it was shot in the 60s, yeah. But, but there was a lot of, like, actual, like, on-location, out-in-public right. footage, especially for old Who, a classic Who. So I think that's why I thought it was just the 60s. They're like, yeah, we're just going to do present-day stuff. But, right. Well, they basically okay. went with, like, a post-apocalyptic thing, like the Daleks were, had taken over quite a while ago and just, yeah. Listen, it's been, like, 10 years since I power bashed the entirety of doctor who into my brain i watched all of those very rapidly that's like 50 years of doctor who i i slammed it down it's been a while so you know i don't remember all the details there's some fun um like there's a fun six doctor one where they basically go back to that same time but they're like somewhere else he's like i've got to be careful or i'll run into myself but it's kind of fun who cares? Is it is it going to do like time cop type rules where if he they can't occupy it to the same place at the same time or they'll whatever? I know, I know. Yeah. They'll that never happens in Doctor Who. <laughs> well, what is it if, especially if you like take in consideration some of the, the expanded media? We just watched Fires of Pompeii. There's like six doctors wandering around on that exact time in Pompeii because they've revisited that so many times throughout. Uh, I wonder why they have such a thing for it. Because it's Volcano one Day. Yeah, it's one of those. <laughs> Doctor Who is my lifeblood. I had no friends in my childhood. Sad, plays sad music. Oh, that's sad. what uh, that's what Maddie D says. That's why I had such a big crush on uh, Scott Bakula when I was twelve. <laughs> <laughs> Quantum Leap was your Doctor Who, and also your <laughs> yeah. childhood. Uh, fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> and your coming of age apparently. <laughs> oh boy yep what what sorry Matt, Maddie D said that's why it looked like Scott Bagula when I was 15 I would believe it let's go forward to the next episode the unicorn and the wasp uh, it's the seventh episode of the fourth series Set in an English manor house in 1926, shortly before the disappearance of crime fiction novelist 
Agatha Christie. The episode is a murder mystery storyline where a shape-shifting giant wasp in disguise as well murders the other guests using methods similar to those in the novels of Christie, who's also a guest. This is, for me, this is, this is the kind of, oh, Rogue One actress, really? Okay. This is the kind of story that could go so wrong, where it's like historical figure from start to finish an intentionally quirky comedy. It's goofy, but I find it delightful. It's okay. <laughs> They're like, I get the Christie mystery. Oh, and I'm like, or she just ran away because she was off because of her husband you know <laughs> whatever real life agatha christie famous author and there's a real life like period missing period in which she showed back up uh, and claimed to have no memory of the period of which she was missing and whatever whatever like that's prime territory to jump in with some ridiculous fiction yeah i don't know that i would have chosen giant were wasp yeah <laughs> right a wasp maybe a wasp wasn't an intentional also further gag given there's a lot of like yeah, who wrote this clan. now over here like there is some bizarre stuff in this oh this is that graham graham harper oh gareth roberts gotcha gareth roberts oh and moffitt's on this gareth roberts the writing in this is so good it's disappointing that he's kind of a garbage person but we don't really have to jump into that on the show we talked about it off off mic a little bit what is her name what's the harry potter lady's name jk rowling jk rowling He's from the J.K. Rowling school of write authors. So, uh, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Well, all the best authors are, you know, problematic. A lot of them are drunks, but, you know, right. genius makes you tortured, right? <laughs> <laughs> it makes me question the, like, gay couple in this because I thought, oh, it's like, oh, that's a, a little surprising and kind of refreshing. And. Mm. Uh, but you know, I guess it is kind of played for laughs a little bit, which is not, it's that weird time in television where like gay men on TV was a, totally acceptable, but oftentimes still kind of played for like, it's funny that they're gay. So maybe it was that, I don't know. Or you're uh, Jack Harkness and you just are pansexual or whatever. Right. Yeah. Right. RTD was kind of all about embracing that a little bit. That's good. Mm-hmm. Feel like we're gonna get get a lot more of a lot more of that uh, here in the new Doctor Who. Not playing it for laughs, but you know, embracing these cultures. Yeah, I don't see a lot of Gareth Roberts scripts coming down the pipeline. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. He's been he's been he's been bumped off of Doctor Who projects twice because of tweets and stuff. So oh oh yeah, that sucks. I mean yeah yeah. Um, <sighs> I find this episode legitimately funny. There's some good jokes. There's some ridiculous, like it's over the top in a way that would bug me in a, like a less well-handled Doctor Who episode where they're doing like people, you know, like if it was the wrong companions, this wouldn't have worked. This wouldn't have worked with Rose. This wouldn't have worked with Martha. It it had to be Donna. Well, there's a giant bee who has people, (laughs) but then like. Instead of like bee, like wasp stabbing them, opts to use a pipe because of this weird mental connection with the stories of Agatha Christie's. Like it's it's yeah. nonsense it and is. it's wacky. I think my favorite over the top bit though is where you know they're doing the classic like 
investigating each person, questioning them, you know, the whole whodunit thing. And they're doing flashbacks. And then at one point, the doctor sits down and he's, he does a random flashback. We see him like traipsing through some jungle and he's talking about Charlemagne and stuff. <laughs> and he's like, yes, what are yeah. you talking about? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of name dropping in this episode too. Yeah. Like he just, yeah. he just is all about how cool he is in this episode. Right. But I think, I think it's fun. I thought sometimes the historic, I don't know, take a historical figure and then like make them kind of a temporary companion for an episode. Sometimes it works okay. Sometimes it's whatever. But I, I liked it with Agatha Christie. I thought it was good. There was some good kind of interplay between her and and Ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If that was really like a, you know, or a life situation and there was some crime writer that found some piece of evidence and didn't share it, that's so wrong. So, so wrong. She totally stuck, snuck that piece of paper, stuck it in her pocket. Like, I'm going to solve this crime before you can. <laughs> right, right. It's a little suspect. Uh, Maddie D says he thinks this is a good episode that also ties back to a classic Fifth Doctor story. Is it the one where he's playing? Is it crumpet, cricket? Okay, cricket. Is it? <laughs> cricket. Is uh, that one episode where he plays Teenage- cricket? It was something wild orchid or something. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles got uh, <laughs> stuck in my brain. Oh man, yeah. No, you can't know what black orchid. Maybe that's you it. don't know what cricket is unless you know what a crumpet. <laughs> black orchid, and he says yes, cricket. Listen, I don't know gets about Doctor Who anymore. It's fine. Or Britain. <laughs> anything. Yeah. Maddie also says there's also uh, there's a really good Netflix movie that goes well with this episode about Agatha Christie. Mm-hmm. Agatha and the Truth of Murder really ties into the Agatha lore. Okay. I should like her more. I used to have like a whole series of Agatha Christie stuff. Or not series, but like I had like a set of Agatha Christie books. But uh, mystery has never really been my thing. I like sci-fi and horror. While researching this, while watching the episode a little bit, which generally I don't do, but I did look up some stuff about her. She wrote, the name escapes me now, the longest running consecutive play. Definitely the longest for like the West End over there, where, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like one of the like longest running plays ever from 65 or so, 1965, somewhere around there. It's gone consecutively to present with the exception of some COVID time. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yep. But like they were, according to Wikipedia, when I was looking at it, it was, they were at over 28,000 performances of this play, something like that. So. Yeah. Oh, can you confirm for me as it's been a while, did the psychic paper work on her? I don't think she happened to be around. I don't She know. wasn't, she, when he first used it, I, he might use it a second time, but the first time he used it, she wasn't there yet. He only used it on the couple that lived there to say, here's my invitation. And then she came in last, I got the Christie did or close to last, at least. So he had already done that before she got there. And if they used it again, maybe after the murders, I don't know. I don't remember if he used it or not then to say he was somebody else. I don't I don't remember. You think it's because they stare at so much paper that writers don't buy it? Yeah, yeah Mighty said, Mighty, Mighty, Mighty Matty. Mighty Matty. <laughs> Mighty Matt Downs. Uh, he said, if it didn't, he finds it interesting that psychic paper doesn't work on writers, a la Shakespeare Code. Yeah, uh, once in a while they do that, and I think it's just like intelligent, like super intelligent people, or I don't know. Well, that maybe. really should be the opposite because, well, I mean, I don't know if that's true, but smarter people are easier to hypnotize than le- lesser intelligent people. Like, but email. I guess the psychic paper, psychic and 
hypnotizing are not necessarily the same thing. So maybe, maybe that's how it works. I don't know. That whole scene where um, he's poisoned and they've got to do the ridiculous oh that's stuff to to like yeah counteract the poison kind of thing and they're like one word how is Harvey Wallbanger one word yeah yeah I don't know how I feel about that whole scene like it's what's well, interesting because it like throws this this new thing on the doctor all for the sake of a gag basically just yeah throwing <laughs> junk into the doctor's mouth and then. I'll give you a shock. <laughs> it was odd, just because I don't think we've ever seen him do anything like that besides that, have we? Salt is too salty, yeah. Anchovies. Salt is too salty, because, you know, in science, anything can kill you if you have enough of it, but you, so you have to have just the, you know, right amount. So salt could be too salty, you just need a little bit, not not that much. We have formaldehyde in our blood. I'm sorry, sorry. One more, like, this was amusing. It was dumb, but also kind of amusing. The doctor, it would have had to be intentionally like when it's time for him to like point the finger, he keeps pointing at and you. And they're like, so-and-so kill, killed them? No. And then they'd have, he'd have something to say right. to them just around the room at everybody, including like him himself and Donna. And, and right. Anyway. And I like the bit when the old guy confessed to not, not being wheelchair bound. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh, I think we said you were innocent, but whatever. Yeah, it's a good comedy episode, I think. Oh, yeah. Plays well on tropes, you know? Right. Yeah. It's an interest. I mean, it's not an interesting pairing with the doctor's daughter. It's just interesting in, from, in my mind because this is maybe a highlight in that it's so unique, maybe, and just pleasant a pleasant surprise in the middle of the season like a palate cleanser almost type of episode yeah coming after the doctor's daughter which is just kind of bland and forgettable and and a two-parter which was the Santarans returning right right which i don't really care for either so this season oh it's like the this is a great season the the, the donna season might be like the best I could give or take half of it. <laughs> well, no, I know. Like that's the thing is, like they're a good pairing, but are the episodes all that good? And it's it's a shorter season than I than I remembered. You know, it's like there's only a couple more episodes left, and some of them are really good. And then we're done. Oh, Maddie D says that scene with the salt was a callback to the goofiness of Jones and Smith uh, with the MRI and radiation. Yeah. Anything else about this episode? I can't think of. Nope. It was amazing. Wait. What? It was okay. Let's not get to that yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's not get carried away without good it is. It's a nice segue, but we're still we're still in Grolic's podcast. Uh, we got to hop out tonight before we get truly amazing. And we need to talk about what we're going to do for the next installment of our trip through Ten and Donna land. I'm super excited for the next pair of episodes but at some point we should throw in some comics and maybe some audio drama and i'm not i still don't know where we should do that in the lineup should we do that next yeah i think that at least one of these audio dramas would be a good fit for like before they get into some of that like what what's next in our lineup it's uh the vashu namarada has got to be coming up it's yeah it's um Silence in the Library. It's that two-parter. Silence in the Library and Forest of the Dead. Okay. Which is, in my opinion, a great double. I'm I'm so glad it's working out. I am 
even though the Santarin episodes are so-so, I'm glad that we happened to like hit it so it's working out so that the two parters are pairing together. Yeah. Yeah, I knew it. Matt says, uh, well, he says, for one, he agrees that the beginning and end of the season were good. There are some middle episodes that are middling. It's true. And he also says, yes, comics. He misses hearing us <laughs> talk about them. Well, hey, this is the end of the Grolix podcast episode. Before we switch over to nights, audio listeners, if you want to hear some nights, because I know I haven't been posting them on the audio feed, check us out on Thursdays at 8.30ish on our Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch channels. Just throw a slash Grolix podcast and you'll get there. So, hey, if you want to hear more of this, audio listeners, go to GrolixPodcast.com. And again, hit us up on the live streams because it's a lot of fun when we can talk to you guys in the chat. It's probably more fun to interact with us live than to listen to it after the fact. So, you know. Bye. <laughs> Come with me if you want to Grolix. You can Grolix if you want to. You leave your oh. friends behind. Grolix is essential to the soul. Thank you for listening to the Grolix Podcast. The Grolix Podcast is a production of the Electronic Media Collective and Vocal Arrow Studios. For more Grolix Podcast, visit GrolixPodcast.com. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast, or follow us on Twitter at Grolix Podcast. We're also everywhere. All the time. All at once. I'm Randy, and in the future, uh-huh. all director's cuts will require reshoots. I don't know. We can't reference the stuff that's going to get cut out. <laughs> you know what? Oh, I'm totally going to reference that stuff.